Welcome to the Florence Crossroad podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. Amen. You know, it's kind of fun. I look up there at the dynamic duo. And we put the pretty faces on the screen. I love that. Amen. It's so good to have you all here. Have I told you how much I love this church? I thank God for you. I thank God for the gifts that you bring and the heart that you have for Jesus. And uh, we're delighted that God has given us this wonderful opportunity to be again, be together and to share together. Uh, this morning, I'm doing a, a message that uh, I, this is not part of a series. I just felt impressed this week as uh, I was in prayer. In fact, it was a week ago when I began to think in terms of this. We live in a very cynical world. The humor is sarcastic caustic, it's, uh, it's, it's just frustrating when you look at the way people treat people, the, the, the lack of civility, the, the issues of, of almost bullying, this concept of, is, it's everywhere. And people, people, we deal with that and we walk with that and we struggle with that. How many of you understand what I'm saying? It's the world we live in. And, and I'm convinced that God has some things in store for his people. I, I am grateful for the Holy Spirit. I, I believe in God the Father, Jesus his Son, and the Holy Spirit that he has given to us. And, and we need everything the Holy Spirit has given. Amen? I do not compartmentalize or compartmentalize the things that God has done. What he did in the early church, he's still doing today. Oh, my, that caught some of you off guard. My God has not changed. He said, I am the Lord God, and I change not. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if I look at the book of Acts, and I look at what he did in that first century church, God's still up to something, folks, and he has some great things that he wants to do. And so this morning, as I, I was thinking in terms of our world and thinking in terms of, of what God wants, the Holy Spirit has some things in store for us. How many of you have ever read about the gifts of the Spirit? How many of you read about the fruits of the Spirit? How many of you have ever read about the Holy Spirit? He has great things in store for his people when Jesus left this world after ascension and he went into the heavens, 10 days the church was in prayer. In 10 days they were seeking God. Jesus said that I will not leave you comfortless, but I will send you the promise of the Father. I will send you the parakletos in the Greek. I will send you the one that will come alongside of you and will guide you and direct you and strengthen, empower you and give you authority and anointing. And it was not mystical or weird. It was practical. It was wonderful. It was powerful. 
And it still is. This morning, I want to share with you something that I feel very strongly about. We're going to be looking in 1 Corinthians 14 for the major portion of our text. But before we get to that point, I, I want to share with you a word. It's the word prophecy. Say that word with me. Prophecy. When I say that word, a lot of images come to our mind. For some, it's, it's, a, it's a bearded, robed guy that w- lives in the wilderness and eats locust and honey and has a little bit of an oddness about him. For others, it's something that we have seen that may have been distorted. For some of us, it's a mystery. We have no idea what prophecy means. For some, it might be the book of Revelation. That is not prophecy. The, 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 the literal Greek name for the book of Revelation is the apocalypsis of Jesus. It's the apocalypse. It's the revelation of Jesus. It is the revelation, not the prophecy. Prophecy, according to Paul, is something different. There's a story in the Old Testament. Moses was uh, trying to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt into uh, the promised land. And in that sojourning and in their transit between the two, there were a lot of things happened. In 40 years, he, he had this almost impossible task of taking this group of people that far. And he had been in a moment of meeting with God, and on his way back, there were men that came and greeted him as he came back into the camp and said to him, Moses, there are men in the camp that are prophesying, and they're not you. I want you to listen to the words that Moses spoke to them, and I believe those words are a clarion statement for us even today. Then Moses said to him, are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets. Oh, that every one of you were prophets. Oh, that the Lord's people were prophets. And that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. I want his spirit upon my life. I want his spirit upon your life. And I want his spirit on us to make us effective and effectual to those that we come in contact with. I don't want to live an isolated life. I don't want to live a life as an island somewhere away from the main group of people. I want to be a part of what God's doing in the middle of all of the people around me. Amen? In the book of Acts, chapter 2, and I like this, it says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is right after The Holy Spirit has been poured out on the day of Pentecost. Amazing story. And I'm not going to go into all of that. But it and and then Peter stands and he quotes Joel and he says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Say that with me. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions And your old men will take naps. I consider it a gift. Kind of hard to have a dream without having a nap. All right. And your old men will dream dreams. Think about that. And on your men servant and your maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Listen to this. And they shall prophesy. 
he repeats it again. Anywhere in Scripture that Scripture repeats itself, it's almost as though God is shouting it. They shall prophesy. They shall probably, it's not, this is not an isolated moment. This is not just a, a momentary thing. This is something that God is saying he wants as a norm for his people. Now, we're going to explain what all that means, but here's what I'm trying to share with you this morning. One of the evidences of God's New Testament church is prophecy. It's like a bookend. On one end is prophecy. On the other end is healing. Throughout church history, from time immemorial, from the beginning to now, those two things have always been a part of the New Testament church. Healings that could not be explained and a prophetic word that came from God. Father, this morning, we don't merely want to hear a sermon. We want to hear you. And I need you this morning. We need you this morning. We hunger for you this morning. That, Father, you will pour out your spirit upon every single person in this church. That, Father, you will meet us right where we are. Father, I pray that you would begin to create a hunger in the heart of every believer in this room. Draw us into your presence. For, Father, we'll ask it all in Jesus' precious name. And everybody can say, Amen. Amen. There are three things that I see about prophecy. Now, obviously, there are probably more, but, you know, I go by threes. Three is the number of divinity. So I think three points to a message is a divine thing. Okay, just my own deductive reasoning. But the first thing that I see in this concept of prophecy is prophecy is inspiring. First Corinthians 14, 1 says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit. Eagerly desire gifts of the spirit. He's not talking to a, a little small group of believers. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to a congregation. He's speaking to you and me. Eagerly, eagerly. What? What? Eagerly desire gifts of the spirit. You know what that means? You've got to have a hunger for it. I was raised in a, in a unique home. My mama, uh, her mama was from the south. Mom immigrated from Missouri when she was about seven to central Oregon. That's culture shock. But my grandmother, my mom's mom, came out of Irish, French Huguenot background. And so some of the dietary dynamics of that culture followed her. And so some of these things became part of the norm when I was a little boy. How many of you have ever heard of crawfish etouffee? Anybody here? Now, we're talking food. If you've never had crawfish etouffee, you have not lived. I will say that it'll probably clog your arteries, but it's really worth it. 
I was raised with that. I haven't had it in a whole long time. And there's no good food places around here that have it. But it's good. I was, I was raised on things like eggs goldenrod. It was good. I was raised on hominy and scrambled eggs. Oh, that's, that slapped your dog and spit in the fire good, folks. And I love gooseberry pie. I have a very wicked palate. All right? I like naps and strange food. Okay. It's a gift, all right? But I have an appetite for those things. I, I, I have an appetite more than for that. I have an appetite for all that God has. I have an appetite for the things of the Spirit. I have an appetite for God to show up on any given moment. Hallelujah. Verse 3 says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Prophecy is God using ordinary people to speak to other people on his behalf. That's prophecy. When the word of God is preached, it is a word of prophecy under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When the word of God is taught, it is a word of prophecy under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God speaking through people to people. That's prophecy. It brings this, this unique dynamic of, of inspiring people, of encouraging people. God's kingdom comes through his people. Did you hear that? We all have to participate it's not something we become a spectator in. We must be a participant in the kingdom enterprise. Can you say amen to that? Amen. The kingdom of God comes through the people of God doing the works of God with the power of the Holy Spirit. Say that with me out loud. The kingdom of God comes Amen. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Let me ask you a question. If we, if we, ask, if we ask the Holy Spirit to direct and change our life in a way that everything we would say would be birthed from him. Every conversation, every discussion would be birthed by the Holy Spirit. How would that change relationships? How would that change the political landscape if all of our politicians asked the Holy Spirit to give them wisdom and anointing and authority and speak the words that he would have them speak? How would that change our nation? How would it change in the classroom with every teacher if when they taught, they asked the Holy Spirit to speak through them the things that need to be shared to that classroom? How would it change the educational dynamics of our schoolings? How would it change in relationships in our families with husbands and with wives? 
it would change everything. If every conversation were bathed with the presence of, whole, of the Holy Spirit speaking through us in a unique... It's not, it's not a faraway look and a quavery voice. It's a practical thing. Holy Spirit, I need you. Superintend this conversation. Guide my heart. Guide my mind. Give me the wisdom and the words that only you have for me today. If those conversations were guided that way, there would be some things that would happen. Paul says that there would be strength. It would come out of this strengthening other people. What can I say that would help them keep going? There are people in this room today that are ready to quit. Quit on life, quit on a job, quit on a marriage, quit on a relationship because they're absolutely overwhelmed. There are people outside of these walls that are ready to quit, quit on life. I've had to officiate 25 services for people who quit on life too soon. There are people that are distorted in life and their thinking process. They're overwhelmed. They're overcome by the things of this world. They, they're overcome by the frustrations and the fears. They don't know how to cope. They're desperate for an answer. Desperate for an answer. There are people all around us that need his help. I think one of the great statements of Job, one of the great testimonials of his life was spoken by his friends. Job, he lost his children. He lost his fortune. He lost everything that was valued to him. He lost his health. But he never lost his God. And God honored it and rewarded it. And the friends of Job made this statement. To me, it's an epic statement. It's a statement. It's a statement I want on my epitaph. Job, by your words, you have kept men on their feet. By your words, you have given men stability. That's prophecy. A word that brings strength, a, a word that gives hope, a word that keeps people in some sense of equilibrium where they're able to stand and not fall. The word parakletos is a unique word. It's the word that, that's spoken about the comforter. But the word parakletos is really translated, he who comes alongside of. Standing there to hold up my brother, hold up my sisters, there to give stability and strength. Prophecy, if it's real, does that. Speak strength into the life of somebody that's going through a difficult time. I want the Holy Spirit to give each of us words that will give people hope for another day. Boy, if, there's, if that's the only thing you get out of this today, I want you to be people that will give other people hope for one more day.
could be as simple as telling them, Jesus loves you. You know, we take that phrase, and it's rather trite to us in some ways. We think, wow, that doesn't mean much. It does mean a whole lot. There's a whole world out here that has no clue that Jesus loves them. As a matter of fact, there are many people that if there is a God, God's angry at them. I remember fishing years ago up on the Sandy River. There was a young man there, pretty good-sized boy, and it was cool. He had sweatshirt on, and I talked with him, went on up river, came back with my fish. I just had one. But I had more than he did. But I came back, and it was warm by that time. He had taken off his sweatshirt. I have never seen muscles like that and I said can I ask you a question he says yeah I said do you lift houses for practice I mean what are you he says I said what do you do and he says I'm a pro wrestler I thought wow he's a big boy I've never seen muscles that big And when we were talking, the Spirit of the Lord just spoke to me. I said, you know, this may seem odd, but can I share with you something? He said, sure. I said, did you know that Jesus is desperate and in love with you? He looked at me. I said, I'm going to say it again. He loves you. Oh, he can't love me. You don't know where I've been, what I've done. I said, it doesn't matter. He's desperately in love with you. I had the opportunity right there on the riverbank to lead that big boy to the Lord. It was a word of prophecy. It wasn't mystical. It wasn't strange. It wasn't earth-shaking. But for him, it was earth-moving and life-changing. Do you understand what I'm trying to share with you? Ask the Holy Spirit for, for a word. It will bring that kind of comfort. Secondly, what has God spoken to them that I can confirm? That's encouragement. There are people that feel like they're supposed to do something or go someplace or be a part of something, but they, they need that to be echoed by the voice of some other human being. God has spoken to them for a, through a variety of means. And they may or may not understand what that means. They may not even understand that may be God. But they have this feeling, this internal dynamic, this drive, this direction. And sometimes they just need somebody to confirm it. Now, may I share with you something? Prophecy is not equal to Scripture. Prophecy is always subject to Scripture, meaning that it's subservient to Scripture. Scripture is always preeminent. If you ever have some bird come up to you with a strange look and a quavery voice, and he's got a word from God, and he's trying to equate that with the word of God, I'll tell you what you do. You look at him and you go, You don't need that. You can say, I told him so. 
You see, most people are longing to hear the voice of God. Most people are longing to hear the voice of God. In my house, God's voice sounds like my wife. That's not a derogatory thing. Now, I want you to listen to why I say that. That woman walks in the presence of God. When she walks into this house, into this room, I feel that presence. I feel it when I walk into my home. She hears the voice of God. She knows and she can tell me and I listen. I want to Most of the time, I do. Most, most, most of the time. And when I'm raptured or ruptured, one of the ways that I get to heaven, whatever. I'll be surprised if the voice of God doesn't sound like her. <laughs> I don't mean that lightly. You see, when you walk in the presence of God, when you walk with the Lord, when you have a hunger for him, there's something that happens. You sense it. You radiate it. You experience it. You feel it in the wisdom of words spoken and the sincerity of the things that are uttered. I've had the Lord speak to me a few times. I've had him encourage me a few times. I've had him use me to be an encourager of others on a couple of occasions. The third point question in that is, what pain have they experienced that God wants to comfort? What pain have they experienced that God wants to comfort? You know, that's not just a generic thing. All of us have experienced hurts and wounds and scars and pain. I remember a fellow in one of the churches that we had that he's meaner than a junkyard dog. I, I dreaded going to church some Sundays. He was confrontational. He was belligerent. He was opinionated. He, he didn't like me, and I struggled but loved him. And it became divisive. It became, con it was just a contentious thing. And finally, I'd, I just kind of had a, had a moment of spiritual revelation and decided that we needed to gift him to another church. <laughs> so I called my, I had my secretary call him and make an appointment. He came in. His defenses were right here. He knew why he was there. I prayed. I said, can we pray? He said, yeah. Yeah, and it was just kind of, yeah. And I remember in our prayer, in, a, in, a, in that little moment of prayer, I'm not given to visions and dreams, but I had a glimpse of something. A little boy hiding under a bed. 
a little boy that was afraid that he would be beaten by his father. Finished praying, and I said, this is going to sound strange, but can I ask you a question? Sure. Again, his defenses are really high. I said, can you tell me about a little boy about eight or nine years old hiding under a bed because of an abusive father? And through tears, he tells me the story of his upbringing. And because of the abuse, he had a resentment for anybody that was in authority or an authority figure. And apparently in some of the sermons, I had touched a nerve or said something. I didn't do it on purpose, certainly not to hurt him. But I became the venting point of his anger for his father because I was a person of authority that had wounded him. I ask his forgiveness. Certainly wasn't, nor is it ever my intention to do that. We prayed. God delivered him. It all happened through a word of prophecy. Hear what I'm trying to say. There's nothing weird or, or strange or bizarre about that. As we prayed, God just brought a thought to my heart. As I brought that thought out and opened to him, it opened his life. It liberated his life. It set him free. Is this practical this morning? It, it's, it's so real. It's so real. The second thing about prophecy is it's miraculous. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, 24, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever, an uninformed person comes in and he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are laid bare or revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. When I read that passage of Scripture, let me share with you what went through that to me. I'm 18 years old. I've been raised in a God-fearing home, but I'd never made a commitment to Jesus. Struggling with life, struggling with my own inadequacies and inferiorities, and insecurities. And my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, invited me to come to a meeting. I'd never been in a meeting like that in my life. In the middle of worship, there was a message in tongues, and it was real. And it was interpreted, and now the prophetic comes in because when it was, when it was interpreted... It was a revelation of my life. It was opening my eyes to the things that God knew that nobody in that crowd knew. And he revealed to me my sin and my failure. But he not only revealed my shortcomings, but he revealed his mercy and grace. 
When I look at this passage of Scripture, and thus the secrets of hearts are revealed, I experienced it. There are people that don't want to believe it. They don't want to. I've experienced it. And so falling down on his face, he worshiped God. And I've been worshiping Jesus ever since that day. But that's not all. And report that God is truly among you. And I've been declaring the name of Jesus ever since. Do you see what it's, it was a prophetic word. Yes, it was a prophetic utterance in an auditorium. It was a prophetic utterance given as an interpretation to an utterance of, of a prayer language. I believe in that. I pray in that prayer language every day. But here's talking about the prophetic side of this. I know it's real. You're looking at the results of a prophetic word spoken into a life of a man, a young man that was lost as a ball in tall grass. And God found me, delivered me, changed me. And this story could be repeated through this auditorium this morning over and over and over again. How many of you know what I'm saying? Powerful thing. Ordinary people, ordinary people of God doing the work of God so that the truth of God can set people free. That's prophecy. And it's a gift that any one of us can have. It's a gift that any one of us can operate in. Ordinary people of God doing the work of God so that the truth of God can set people free. Wow. How many of you'd like to be used that way? Setting people free is a cool thing, folks. It's a wonderful thing. Let me take you to the last point. Prophecy is listening. Jesus said in John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. My sheep know my voice. I want to hear God. I've got to know his voice. My sheep know my voice. And I know them. I've got news for you. He knows everything about you inside and out. He knows how many times your mitral valve flutters. He knows every cell in your body. He knows, he knows the wart on your little toe. He knows everything about you. You didn't know I knew that you had a wart on your little toe. <laughs> I don't. What I'm trying to say is that there's no secret with God. And he says, he says, my sheep, my sheep hear my voice. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Listening takes activity. You have to be an active listener. My wife can talk to me and I might hear her, but am I listening to her? How many of you get into a conversation with somebody and you're hearing them, but your mind takes off on some tangent and you haven't listened to them? An active listener focuses on the one speaking. 
called intimacy. That's real intimacy when you listen to the one that's speaking. Listening is friendship. It's relationship. Prophecy requires God to speak and us to listen. That makes sense? Proverbs 20, verse 12 says, The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made them both. I pray this prayer every day. Simple little prayer, four lines. It's not by rote, it's by purpose. Four little thoughts. I want you to listen to it. Father, give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. Give me a mind to understand. Give me a heart to believe. And when I pray that prayer, I'm praying it because I know that today I'm going to confront people and talk with people and be around people that need God's help and God's mercy. And if I have his eyes and his ear and I have his mind and I have his heart, I'm going to be able to, by him, speak a word as he speaks it to me, to them, that's going to lift them back on their feet, that's going to confirm his word to them, that's going to guide them and direct them. That's prophecy. And that's a gift that God wants to give to every one of his children. A gift that you can stand and be a prophet of God, not for the title, not for the whatever, but so that you can speak into the life of a brother. Does that make sense? Would you stand with me this morning? called a hunger for God. This morning, I know that there are people in this room, not because I have some inside information. I just know that when we gather as a crowd this size, that there are people here, you found yourself hurting. You found yourself struggling. You found your own evil.